Hello, hello, baby. We back. Episode 9. I looked it up to make sure, so I nailed that part. Episode 9 of The Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. A very eventful last couple of days. Probably one of the most eventful, like, two-day stretches in between two shows we've had since the show's inception. Well, maybe, maybe, I, I think Stafford actually got traded in between one and two. So maybe, maybe that's a lie, but, but a lot went down the last couple of days. Um, obviously I know a majority of you are probably here to be, uh, or to listen rather to the, the, uh, the Detroit Pistons section as, as this is my first show since the Blake Griffin news was announced more than welcome to fast forward. A listen's a listen in my book. It doesn't matter how long. All right. Um, again, very eventful tigers, pitchers and catchers reporting today, which is awesome. Kind of some pitching and catching expectations, uh, Hinch talk about him. And then uh, I released my, my projected opening day batting order. So we'll talk about, um, my opinion and, and what people's pushbacks was, if there was any and stuff like that, the Pistons have not played since our last show. So it will be entirely about the Blake Griffin news, 100% of it, all and only Blake Griffin. The Detroit Red Wings lost to the Chicago Blackhawks Monday night. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about a specific player on defense that pretty much single-handedly lost them the game in my eyes. Uh, Giovanni Smith not getting sent to the taxi squad, but straight to Grand Rapids, which really pissed me off, and then who they recalled from Grand Rapids to replace him. And then the Lions officially announced their entire coaching staff for the 2021 season, so we will go over that and my opinions on it. I've already talked about the coaching staff a little, but I think a whole segment dedicated, read off some names, they tweeted out the entire list, every single coaching staff, every single position, um, and we can talk about my, uh, my, my thoughts and feelings toward this coaching staff, which I'm very excited about. All right, thank you for tuning in again. This is the Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley. Let's get right into it. The Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Baseball Tigers. Uh, Pitchers and catchers report today. Thank goodness, man. Baseball is, is, for those who know me, I, I know, I would like to think I know quite a bit about all, all the sports, right? About, about all of these four sports. And I think I, I would like to think that I know enough about them at a, at a pretty damn good level. Um, but baseball is my first love. Baseball is, is my, my first, the first sport I fell in love with, the first sport I played. I don't even remember my first Tigers game. I, I just always remember being there. I, I don't even know if I have an earliest memory of like, hey, what's the first game you remember even? I'm not even sure I could tell you. Um, that place is my second home. I, I could navigate it around with my eyes closed. And it, it, this is the longest I've ever gone without going to a Tiger game, literally in my life, since birth. Because um, I was going to games as a as, as an infant and a toddler uh, with, with uh, mom and pop. So um, baseball is my first love. So it's just this day, pitchers and catchers reporting, this day is just such a such a fun day. Spring, spring is around the corner and especially needed when you have 72 feet of snow on the ground when you look out the window. It's nice to actually know that, that baseball and summertime is, is slowly coming. Slowly but surely, but it's coming. As far as uh, reports so far, I mean, again, we're like five hours into spring training, so there's not a ton. That being said, there is some news. Some people are coming in late. Not a big deal. People come in late all the time. Uh, like Gregory Soto's coming in late because he has to renew his work visa, and and Franklin Perez is coming in late because he had some or other. Um, Ronnie Garcia had like, I don't even know, some pancre- pancreas something or I don't even know, man. First and last time, I'll be happy to to see Ronnie Garcia's name. I'm just happy baseball's back. Um, so not, not a whole lot. Like I said, some people, it, it says they're late. Don't worry about it. No, it. There's been zero reports of anyone being late due to COVID, which has been a problem with some other teams like the Oakland A's and such. So I'm just happy that, that everyone's healthy. Everyone's healthy. And, and uh, outside of Fiedo, like everyone's healthy physically as far as, you know, baseball shape as well, it sounds like. So that's awesome. Um, 
Joey Wentz is, is starting his rehab as well. Um, as far as expectations for the, uh, the rest of the um, team, by the way, should show up in about a week. That's usually uh, the time frame when people staggering start, start showing up to camp. Um, as far as expectations, uh, just don't get hurt. That's my expectation. That's all. Uh, not my expectation. That's all I want. <laughs> all I want. During spring training is just no injuries. No injuries. That's all I want every year. No injuries, please. Uh, we've seen way too many times people dominate spring and be horrible when the regular season starts and vice versa. So you have to, it's like preseason with football. You got to take it with a, a, a massive grain of salt. Um, but the one thing that uh, we can directly see is injuries. So please just do not get hurt. Uh, and, and A.J. Hinch has talked about Franklin Perez, speaking of, of people getting hurt, um, talking about Franklin Perez very highly, uh, and this is one of the guys that is the epitome of please do not get hurt. Uh, Franklin Perez, for those who don't know, um, is was the top prospect we got in return for the Justin Verlander trade in 2017 to the Houston Astros, which Hinch obviously used to work for. Um, so the, uh, it, here's the thing. He's pitched like 40 innings in three years. He's been or four years. We should probably only count three of those. Cause one of those is, is last year when there was no minor league season across three years of minor league ball with us. He pitched 40 innings. That's that, you know, oh. You do that in in a month. If you're a starting pitcher, you you hit that in like in like a month's work. Oh, and and I think the reason I brought this up is because in one of the first interviews Hinch gave of spring training, he talked about how Franklin Perez specifically still has incredible stuff, and if he can just stay healthy, if he can just stay healthy. He can just stay healthy. Um, and, and the thing that frustrates me, A, we got him for Verlander, okay? And if he doesn't turn out, it's looking like that trade's just going to be horrible because Daz Cameron looks terrible. I, I don't want to be too harsh. The kid's still young and, and has plenty of room to grow, but he hit like 210 in AAA. So Daz Cameron is not looking very promising. Jake Rogers got beat out by Grayson Griner and Eric Haas last year, So and he's pushing 25. Can't say that's very promising. Um, it's just really looking like that Verlander trade is just, is just brutal. You know, you trade the, the guy that was arguably the best pitcher in the history of your franchise and you get nothing to show for you go over three on prospects. It's demoralizing. So anyway, back on track, not to get me on my sign tangent of, of my, uh, my opinion of the front office here. Um, Hinch talked about how uh, how highly he thinks of Perez still and that if he's healthy, he's the man. And, and the thing that's interesting about that is that's not just an inner organization belief. Obviously, the people inside the organization kind of have to say that, right? You, you kind of have to. This has been something that's – there's articles been written about it in BA and in, in fan graphs and baseball prospectus. I, I mean, there's a lot of different people – over the last year, uh, that or year and a half, I guess, that have said, hey, man, if this dude stays healthy, he has stuff that's on par with the other, th- the big three-headed monster at the top in Mize Manning Scoobal. Um, it's just he's never healthy. And, and while that's frustrating, uh, in 2020, he was in the Instructional League, right? He was in, uh, in Toledo, in the COVID League, I guess you would call it. Um, and by all reports, he was healthy that entire time. Didn't have to miss any time. Wasn't on a limits restri- on innings restriction or anything. Just went out there and pitched. And and again, it's a shortened season, and it's scrimmages. But it's something, man. It's something. The kid's still young. He's like 23, 24. Um, I don't know, man. I I when it's just it's. I don't even know if reassuring is the right word. It's interesting. Interesting is such a horrible word. It means nothing. Think about it. 
When somebody goes, oh, that's interesting. Is that good? Maybe. Is that bad? Maybe. Interesting is the most useless word in the English language. Please prove me wrong. It is the least descriptive adjective on the planet. It means literally nothing. I hate when I say it. (laughs) Clearly. I've gone on a tangent now about how awful the word interesting is. it's, uh, It's just fascinating to me. That probably is around the same thing as interesting. Anyway, I'm just going to move on. Um, it's it's uh, <laughs> interesting to me that every other – people outside of the organization have the same belief. People outside the organization are like, hey, man, when this dude's healthy, he's up there. He's just never healthy. I guess that's reassuring. Maybe 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 it is reassuring. He just has got to stay healthy. So that's, that's one of the my biggest story personally – my biggest storylines going into spring training when it comes to pitchers is that. Uh, and then pitchers and catchers, obviously, by far the biggest storyline on, on the other side of the plate, uh, behind the plate, is Jake Rogers. Is Jake Rogers actually good at baseball, or have we just been duped for the last three years? Um, so that'll be interesting if, if he wins the backup job out of camp, or if He's going to start in Toledo again because he can't hit. Uh, we'll see. Back to Hinch, though. Um, I don't want to go too much in depth because I feel like um, I just haven't really voiced my opinion of Hinch yet on this platform, uh, on my podcast yet. And I think that that's pretty important to do given how controversial the signing was and how big of a deal it was in the sports world. Um, the... I don't want to go too far into it uh, because I feel like I could do a whole segment uh, on, a, on a slow news day or something on Hinch. What I will say is this. It is so nice to listen to a manager that wants to win this badly. We haven't had this since Leland. Osman had the personality of a brick, and I can't stand that dude. I could go on a whole hour long about how, how much I despise Brad Osmus. And Gardy was a placeholder. Gardy was a placeholder because no one else in their right mind would have taken the Detroit Tigers managerial job. And he did. So um, that was just him managing horrible teams. And and I think everybody, including him, knew that he wasn't the long-term solution at manager. Um, the the thing with Hinch, man, when he, he – I just wanted to work so bad. I want it to work so bad, and and it's so nice. Like I said, it's so nice hearing a, a manager that wants to win here, and he talks as if he's going to be here for a long time, which is so reassuring. We're none of this season to season who's going to be our manager crap. He he talks about things about like the future and about the kids we have coming up and how he's going to work them in and and what kind of long-term success each of these players have, and their, their ceilings, and, and what kind of players they could be in a couple years from now, and you know when he's still around. And that's so reassuring and so nice to hear. Like I said, I, I've made plenty of videos about um, – you can look at my Twitter and just go back in time to, to when we signed him. I've made plenty of videos about my, my opinion of the actual signing, and I've been totally on board, and I've loved it since day one. Um, but, uh, the thing, the last thing I'll say with it is, is, uh, when I talked to Chris Castellani about it, he, he describes it as, as like a Disney movie, which kind of made me laugh at first. And I was like, nah, this, this dude's got a point, <laughs> you know, this is, this is a guy that took over a trash team. One of the worst teams, uh, of all time, those, those early Astros teams took them over rose them to greatness, made them one of the best baseball teams of the decade, won them a ring, then got caught cheating, was exiled from the sport, banned for a year, completely blackballed. People didn't think he was ever going to manage ever again. Then uh, the only team that would take him back, the only job opening in the sport, was a team that was a year removed from 114 losses. A year removed from one of the worst seasons in the history of baseball. 
the only team that would take him back. Signs, signs pen to paper. Everybody hates him. And uh, he, he, he brings a team that, that is one of the worst ever back to greatness. And, uh, and, and people realize that he's just a damn good manager and it had nothing, his success had nothing to do with cheating. Um, you know, you, you literally can't write a better script than that. It's literally like it's out of a movie. So I'm, I'm really hoping it works. Um, and, and I am, I am, I am so excited to have this good of a manager in, in our organization. Um, the only other thing with the Tigers is I released my projected batting lineup, which um, was, again, I, I didn't think anything I've said really has been super controversial, uh, but apparently some people disagree with that. Um, my lineup had not a lot of pushback. I think most people kind of liked it and, and agreed where my head was at. A um, couple, of, couple of things. Um First off, Victor Reyes stands always going to be in your mentions. That's just comes with the territory of not putting him in your lineup because he doesn't deserve it. Um, and then shortstop, I, I did something interesting with shortstop. Um, so leading off and in left field, I have Robbie Grossman. At second, playing third, I have Candelario. Batting third, DHing Miggy. Batting fourth, second base, Jonathan Scope. Fifth, catching Wilson Ramos. Sixth. First base, Renato Nunez. Seventh, right field, Nomar Mazzara. Eighth, shortstop, Nico slash Willie Castro. We'll get into why I did that. And then ninth, center field, Jacoby Jones. Um, the Nico slash Willie Castro thing has... Um, this isn't me, like, changing my mind. I, I still... If I had the lineup card, it would still go to Nico because I don't think Willie Castro can play the position of shortstop. That being said... Based on what Hinch said in, in, a, in an interview a couple of days ago about Willie Castro in the shortstop position, it sounds to me like um, it sounds to me like Willie's going to get every opportunity, and he probably should. I, just because I thought Nico should be the opening day starter doesn't mean I think he should be playing 150 games at shortstop. But Nico Goodrum's not the long-term answer at short. We might as well get some more people with some more abs. You know, I'm not. Uh, I think people may, may have interpreted that as I think Nico should be like the 162-game starter at short, and that's not what I meant. That's just who I thought was starting opening day. So so I wanted to, to avoid that confusion this time, and I think Castro might honestly get more reps at short than Nico uh, when it's all said and done, especially, again, after listening to how Hinch talked about Willie. Um, but, yeah, I, I just thought it was it – was, they're going to split time. They're going to split time. It might not be a uh, a strict 50-50, but they're probably going to gonna both get a very healthy amount of reps at shortstop since we really don't have one. So um, I, I don't expect either of them to play like 130-plus games at the position. So I, I wanted to put a slash there so that people realized, hey, both these dudes are going to get hella reps at, at, at short. Okay, and there's nothing anybody, me, you, or your mom can do about it. All right. Uh, the only other thing I put at the bottom is Victor Reyes is the backup for all three outfield positions because that's what he should be. Um, and I wanted to – people just freak out when you don't think Victor Reyes is an MVP candidate. So I wanted to make sure his name was in the tweet so people know I didn't think he didn't exist. A uh, couple of interesting comments. I think most people kind of agreed with where my head was at. Um, I had one person say, ask me if I think Jacoby should move up. Jacoby really did hit the best ball of his career at the nine spot in 2020. And he, he's never going to be a, a top of the lineup guy. So I just think, why not just have a really good nine hitter? You know what I mean? Um, I'm fine with that. Um, okay. The other stuff. Um, Robbie Grossman got some pushback, which was fascinating to me. He walks more than anyone on the team by far. He He's in the 90th percentile of like how many walks and walk percentage in all of baseball. And we have one of the worst walk percentages as a team in all of baseball. So I, I adamantly disagree with, with uh, 
the guy that pushed back at me about Robbie Grossman not being good or, or whatever. Um, he's he's instantly one of the best players on the team, and it's for $5 million a year. If he does really well, you can trade in this deadline for a year and a half of control. That has a lot of a lot of value to a comp- uh, competitive team. Um, and uh, if he doesn't, it's $5 million a year. Who cares? And he's not blocking anyone. It's not like Riley Green's not ready. Daz Cameron hit 210 in AAA in 2019. He's far from ready. Derek Hill, um, Derek Hill can't barely hit his weight in like single A, high single A. So like, uh, there's no way he's anywhere close to the majors. Um, yeah, he's not blocking anyone. We need someone to play the position cheap, instantly. One of our best players walks a boatload and is tradable. Seems like a perfect signing to me. I don't know about you. So, um, I'm, I'm really happy. And I think that at the top of the lineup, being a table setter, being a guy that walks as much as he does is an incredible, incredible signing. Shout out to Alavila. Uh, besides that, I think the rest was pretty self-explanatory on, on the rest of it. So uh, somebody said Ramos might've been a little high. He's, he's batting like fifth in my lineup. And I, I don't know, maybe you move him to six, but sadly this lineup is just so bad that Wilson Ramos is one of our best hitters. Um, and, and here's the other thing. Don't die on any hill when you see projected lineups. Don't die on a hill because this team's so bad that we're going to see 80 million different lineups. And AJ Hinch is so analytically inclined. We're going to try stuff and we're going to try stuff that's not going to work. And we're going to try stuff that does work and is the new staple that it's going to move around a lot. This lineup is going to move and move and move and move and we may never see the same lineup twice, to be honest with you. It's it's going to be – when you have bad teams that are trying to figure out the best places for people, you move lineups a lot. And Hinch knows that and has a history of that anyway. So um, don't die on any hill with lineups like that, man. Because uh, anything – we're going to see a lot. Anything can happen. All right. For those who fast-forwarded to this, welcome to the Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Uh, the Detroit Basketball Pistons. Let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the, the story. The story of... Uh, it's probably, the, <laughs> honestly, the second biggest story of, of the city. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this tops Stafford, but it's definitely the second biggest. Uh, so, Monday, the Detroit Pistons and Blake Griffin agreed mutually that he will not play another game with the Pistons uh, and, and won't play until the front office either buys him out or trades him. Uh, I just want to start this off by reminding people how incredible he was here. just want to reminisce a little bit. Blake Griffin was unbelievable in the 2018-19 season unbelievable this is a guy that put together probably the best single season performance since Grant Hill again the 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 not again I haven't said this yet the 04 team was phenomenal um and but that team was a team right they were so good because greatest five alive my favorite team ever but individual season performances I think Blake Griffin in 18-19 was probably the best since Grant Hill you could maybe argue one of Ben Wallace's DPOY years or maybe argue a Chauncey year or maybe argue uh 04-05 rip maybe but I, I really think you'll be pressed to find a better individual season statistically than the one Blake Griffin put up in 1819 uh, since Grant Hill in the 90s. And that that's for a, for a city that is so desperate for anyone to win anything because all four of our teams suck at the same time. Um, that was huge. 
uh, and also a guy going from L.A. superstar. L.A. Blake Griffin was one of the biggest, most recognizable people on the planet. An L.A. superstar going to Detroit, not complaining once, not having any envy, and very quickly on actually embracing the city and talking about how you know, there's one interview where he says he, he, even though he was huge there, he never really fit in in L.A. and felt a lot more at home in Detroit. And that's that's something, you know, I, I, I just wanted to start this off by saying how much I appreciate that man, how much he means to this city and such in a relatively short tenure. Most people that that mean this much to, to a sports town are people that play their whole careers here, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like he, he you know, three years <laughs> and, and he made this big of an impact and, and a franchise that was in a pit of mediocrity. And yes, I know we went 500 and got swept by the bucks in the first round. Blake Griffin himself was the furthest thing from mediocre. You could possibly have unbelievable season, arguably the best year of his career best single season we've seen in in my lifetime in a Pistons uniform uh unbelievable unbelievable means so much to this city and and really put Detroit basketball on the map for for a little bit not a lot again we still went 500 but for a little bit there Detroit basketball was back uh right back on the map and uh and and he made again with a, with a franchise that was stuck in a pit of mediocrity. He he probably I probably had more fun watching that team than I had since Allen Iverson was on the team. And even that was just like I'm 12 years old and fascinated that Allen Iverson is on my basketball team. You know what I mean? I think that's probably the most fun I've had watching watching Pistons basketball since since AI or, or the year before AI, I guess even. Um. Unbelievable, man. And I, I went to game four when the, when the sweep was, was finalized. The refs, you suck game where Blake was wearing the knee brace that was the size of LCA. Me and my, my two best friends were there. Just unbelievable, man. One of the craziest sporting events I've ever been to. It was an awesome atmosphere. And that's because of Blake because he got a standing ovation as he walked off the court in a sweep because he wasn't he shouldn't have even been playing his knee was messed up eight different ways he gave everything to the city i will always love and appreciate the hell out of him for it um and like i said man he brought excitement around this team that that we hadn't had in a while arguably a decade so, uh, just before we get into the actual what's going to happen with his future and the future of the team and the future of Blake and stuff, I just wanted to say, man, like, way too much slander on the timeline of Blake this season. I don't get it. We're a horrible rebuilding team anyways. Why on earth does it matter if Blake is not living up to, <laughs> like, we're not paying anybody else. It's not like Blake's huge, huge contract is, like, hindering us from you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yes, we paid Grant. Yes, we played Plumley. Whatever. Point remains. This season, we were we were always going to tank and rebuild. Who cares that Blake sucks? So, with all that being said, this buyout, and that's probably what's going to be. Let's not get that twisted. Probably going to be a freaking buyout is a blessing. It's a blessing. Um, I'll say, I'll say, okay, first off, is it going to be a trade or a buyout? 90% chance it's a, it's a buyout. Blake is owed stupid money. Stupid, stupid, like 35 to $40 million this year. And then he has an opt-in this offseason which I'd imagine he'd take because it's worth $40 million next year. Stupid money. So, the trade. Uh, 
don't expect anything in return. If someone, I'll put it this way. If, if Weaver was to find a trade partner, I don't care if it's for a bag of potato chips that is split evenly 500,000 ways across all the people that live in the city of Detroit. That's a massive win. If we get literally nothing for him, that's a win. Because we're not spending any money. Nope. We would, <laughs> you guys take the contract, give us literally nothing. That's a W. Okay. So, so don't think, oh, it's Blake Griffin. It's a huge name. I, I want stuff. You're not going to get stuff. Okay. Stop being a spoiled little brat. You're not getting anything for him. If we got even a second round pick out of him, I would be ecstatic. If we just find a trade partner, I'm going to be ecstatic. Literally. Like, if a trade happens, that's just a massive win. The buyout's a lot more likely. Because it's going to be hard to move that kind of money with the production that he's been playing. Now, the buyout. Um, He's owed a boatload of money. I'm pretty sure he was owed 34 this year. This year's a third of the way over. So math people figure that out. And then he's owed like 39 mil next year. Uh, assuming he opts in, which I think I have no idea why he wouldn't. So they're going to discuss. We're going to be like, hey, we can't find a trade partner for you. Um, let's talk buyout. And he's going to go, all right, bet. And they're going to come to some agreement because Blake really has no leverage. I mean, I mean, really, he doesn't. Like, we can just hold on to him if we really wanted to. We could just hold on to him. And then next year, give him the impossible decision of, hey, play for this franchise I very much don't want to play for and they're not going to move me, but get paid $40 million to do so. Or opt out, go play where I want, but for a way less price. He kind of has to to negotiate a buyout. So, I think that's the most likely scenario. I know that's the most likely scenario, actually. Uh, the only thing that's giving me a sli- even a sliver of hope that we're going to find a trade partner is Weaver keeps, the- keeps that clip empty, Right? It's the only thing keeping keeping my hope alive that we might, just might, find a trade partner to give us like a second round pick in 2035, which is a win. <laughs> um, So, expect a buyout. The buyout is a big deal though, because it's lump sum. Uh, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure... This would be lump sum and that we're not going to defer this money. I'm pretty sure it would just be like writing this dude a check. Like here's, you know, 60, $60 million lump sum. Have fun. So that is the situation we're in. Um, okay. The reason that this is a big deal is because then next offseason, yes, we, we paid a huge lump sum now, but next offseason, given the cap, we would have almost $40 million just off the books and, and available to spend. So you're going into next offseason giving Troy Weaver – A very high first round pick, two seconds, and $40 million in cap with the core we already have. Inject that straight into my veins. A a presumed top four pick, hopefully top three, but a presumed top four pick, Two seconds, $40 million in cap space. 
It's going to be a fun-ass offseason for the Detroit Basketball Pistons and Troy Weaver. So, yeah, I, I really just wanted to, to before I went into how this is kind of good news and kind of awesome for the franchise, I did want to say, like, it's also very bittersweet. Blake is the man. Blake's always been the man, always will be the man. He means the world to so many people in this city and gave us exciting basketball that we've been so deprived of for, for almost a decade. Um, so, so just remember that, remember that, remember, remember, just, I, I just can't stand people that are, that are like dragging this dude through the mud with his play. It just doesn't make sense to me. We were never like we were trying to be bad almost. Like we we traded everyone away. Like I I don't know what you thought was happening. I, anyway, that's a that's a that's a rant for another time. Um, possible destinations. Um, Brooklyn would be interesting. Uh, that would that would have to be a buyout most likely as they've used a lot of their assets. <laughs> uh, so that one would have to be via buyout. The Bucks is an interesting one. I don't really think the fit is there for that, but that's been kind of talked about. Obviously, you can't do anything without Knicks and Lakers fans thinking they're getting him, so obviously that's been talked about. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, I, I really don't expect the trade to happen. If, if a trade happens and we get literally – anything I will consider that a massive win because I'm fully expecting a buyout uh but that said though obviously best of luck to Blake it's sad that his body's kind of failing him hopefully he can find some second wind I don't think he's he was dogging it here or anything but uh that just doesn't really seem like the kind of person Blake is I don't know Blake I probably shouldn't say that but uh I I don't know I I wish him nothing but the best hopefully he can get a ring before he hangs him up because uh, he he deserves it. And, and in my eyes, even though, like I said, it was a relatively short stint when you're talking about careers of athletes, um, he will he will always have a place in Pistons lore. And if you're building a, a like in, in 2K, they do the all all time teams. 1819 Blake is 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 on that roster. And he's on that roster comfortably. One of the best single seasons we've seen from a Piston. And obviously, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, Blake Griffin, officially... <laughs> it's brutal, man. D. Rose, him, Stafford. Damn. Blake Griffin officially played his last game as a Piston. Uh, I would imagine... I would imagine if a buyout happens, it's going to happen rather sooner than later. You can probably tell pretty early on if he actually has a trade market. If he does have a market, that might happen closer to the deadline. But I, I would imagine if a buyout happens, it might even happen this weekend. I'd imagine that that wouldn't be too uh, too long there. All right. That'll do it for the Blake Griffin segment. Obviously the biggest story in the city right now. Let's move on to the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. Monday night, they played the Chicago Blackhawks. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and dropped it in overtime with like seconds left in overtime. I was watching with my buddy Kevin. Uh, and, and, oh my gosh. You should all follow him on Twitter, by the way. Gosh, we were just sitting there watching and then we just went silent. He was like, you got to be kidding me. And that's the thing, man. I said it on the last show. I don't care about tanking and draft position when we played the Blackhawks. I don't. Out the window. That mindset goes completely out the window. I hate losing to the Blackhawks more than almost anything on this planet. So I don't, I don't care. Oh, you should be happy. We lost. Oh, the tank is on. Oh, the 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 draft tankathon.com says after that win we might I don't care. 
You want to talk that talk to me after we lose to any other team in this league? Go for it. Not Chicago. Not happening. I don't give a damn. I will never be okay losing the Blackhawks. Um, okay, the biggest thing with this game. Okay, the biggest thing. First off, Vladdy's turnover was brutal. Definitely was a big factor in giving up the second goal. Um, but he also scored on a rebound. So in my eyes, that kind of cancels out a little bit. We lost by one, so maybe that's kind of stupid to say, but you get the point. Heronic was garbage. Heronic is very young. I think he is the future of uh, a, a big piece in the future core of this defense. I, I'm not honestly, I'm not really convinced that he is a like first line defender for a title contending team. I'm really not there. Some people are super high on him. I'm, I'm not really there. Um, but I think he could be a solid second line D man for a, for a championship contending team. I, I think he has value. He has place. I think he's, he, he is very young and has a bright future in this league. Hopefully with us, that being said, I think he damn near single-handedly cost us the game. He was garbage, 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 blah, 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 garbage. Okay, we'll start off with the goal on the Vladdy turnover. Uh, Vladdy turns it over and neutralize. Heronic is lockstep. Lockstep. On his shoulder. Literally, on, on, not only on his shoulder, on his shoulder from where the puck is coming from. The pass is coming this way. He's on this shoulder. Right to the stick, pops in the net. And, and what Heronic does, does nothing. He doesn't try and poke it. He, he, if he was trying to get a stick on it, it was a horrible attempt. Didn't lift the stick. Didn't do anything. Just basically laid on his shoulder and hoped that that would somehow screw things up. Not good defense. Not, 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 not good defense. And then the overtime goal was the overtime goal. I think Heronic is single-handedly responsible. Not single-handedly. I, I, again, kid's young. I think he has a good future on the team. I'm not trying to, to freak out. It, it's just it's the Blackhawks. It just bothers me so much more than a normal loss does. And I know we're, we, we suck and, and we're not good and we're going to lose a lot more games that I will be a lot less mad about. But I, I think he, he played like garbage. He, it was the weirdest thing ever. Those two mistakes were terrible. Terrible, terrible, boneheaded, horrible mistakes. But <clears throat> in between those, he made some nice plays. Four checking, had a nice stick lift. Actually looked pretty decent, but he made two mistakes that were so unbelievably terrible. We lost the game by a goal in overtime, and, and he screwed up on two of them. You can't be the first-line D-man that's, that's playing more minutes than any other defender and make two goals, make two mistakes, that, that result in goals. You can't. Can't do it. Unacceptable. All right. That's enough. I, I still love you, Hironic. That So that's enough. That's enough of that. Um, the, uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I, we're bad. I, I get it. I just get riled up, A, because it's Chicago, and B, because I think he can be a, a big part of the future of this team. And it's so demoralizing to see big parts of the future do that. It was horrible. Horrible. Gosh. All right. So, Heronic done. Only other piece of news. Giovanni Smith not only demotes the taxi squad, sent to Grand Rapids. 
oh why, oh why, why, why? Four points in eight games. Was lightning in a bottle. Did everything and more that Blashill asked him to do. Sons of Grand Rapids. Um, the silver lining here, and this is just really me just desperately trying to find any positive way to spin this because I don't really think there is one. But the silver lining is that at least in Grand Rapids, he's going to get a hell of a lot of playing time. Okay. He's still young. I think the kid's still got a bright future. I, and it's super demoralizing. It is. I'm sure it is for him, but it is for the fan base too. We, we're a horrible team. And one of the only players on this terrible team that's playing well gets sent away. Demoralizing as hell. That being said, at a bare minimum, at least we can know that he's not just on the taxi squad and he's not just going to sit there and maybe play, maybe not. At least he's getting full-time, probably 22 to 25, maybe even, hell, minutes a night. Probably 22. 22-ish, first-line minutes down there. That's just what I've been trying to tell myself the last 24 hours. Ever since that news story broke. Super frustrating, super demoralizing. Um, the corresponding move. Um, the corresponding move that uh, Giovanni Smith gets sent down. Um, Evgeny Svechnikov. Getting the call up. Do I think that that call-up is worth sending down Giovanni Smith? No, but it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not like it's not like Raymond or or Mo or like when Zadina was called up. It's not it's not of that caliber. But um, th- this is a first-round pick. This is a first-round pick in twenty. 20- Ooh, 2015. That sounds right. If not, I'll edit myself out like I did with Wilson Ramos on episode one. But I'm pretty sure he's a first-round pick in 2015. Uh, what do we have that year? Like 20, 20 late teens, early 20s, first-round pick in 15. Um, so, and, and he's, he's young. He's about... I think he's, I have it here actually. He is 24 years of age. And he was taken in the first round of 2015, 19th overall. Look at me. All right. He's a first round pick. He's kind of been, uh, I mean, he's been down. He's been down there for a while, um, clearly. Um, so here's the thing with it. Uh, obviously young. He's a defender. Lefty, awesome, all great. Uh, He has had a couple of stints in in the show, in the big time, in the NHL, but uh, no long-term stints because he's just pretty much not ready. I mean, he he hasn't even looked really great. In any of his three stints, he came up in 16-17, then came up in 17-18, then came up in 19-20. and and for only a few games, never had a long stint with anything. Uh, I'm I mean I'm I'm fine with this being the corresponding move. I'm fine with I'm fine with with the, the my frustration with Giovanni being sent down is separate from my uh my my approval of this move. Um, this is uh, uh you know and anytime you can get young players and be like, hey man, we got to see if you're part of the future of this team or not. Welcome to the show. Nut up or shut up. That's that's fun and that's interesting hockey to watch. We can see how well he does. We can see if he if he plays uh, gives us enough playing time. We can see maybe if he he can earn himself a spot on onto the future of this team, just like everybody else. I sound you know I sound like it's it's the preseason again, 
saying that that's kind of copy and paste what I said about damn near everybody except uh, Mantha and Larkin going into the season. But um, yeah, man, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be super interesting to see if he is um, how he looks and the kind of defender he is and if he can uh, carve a name for himself into the the future plans for the team. So that's, that's kind of exciting. It's kind of, you know, again, former first round talent, always, always going to be exciting when they, uh, when they come up and, and try to get playing time. So, so we will see, we will see with Sveshnikov. Um, is that it for the wings, the winged, uh, the wing wheels there? I think so. Oh, um, the Maple Leafs blew a 5-1 lead to the Senators. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, very few things make me happier than 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 Leafs slander. Oh, man. <sighs> Made me so happy. They were up 5-1 and lost 6-5 in overtime to the Senators. Incredible. Incredible, incredible, uh, ecstatic. Um, that's it for that's it for hockey. That's it for the Wings. They play the Hawks again tonight, actually. So that'll be. Um, hopefully, we can win, man. I hate losing to the Hawks. Hate it, hate it, hate it. All right, we'll end with the Detroit Football Lions. Um, the Detroit Lions officially announced their um, coaching staff for the 2021 season. No surprises as far as like all these we already kind of knew, but they released their full staff ready to get to work. And I just want to put my thoughts uh, with the the staff. Uh, We kind of talked about it a few episodes ago, but I just want to throw all my thoughts out there. Uh, You can go back and listen to what I thought about Campbell. Again, uh, just a quick summary. Great, great interview for whatever that's worth. Great introductory press conference. Seems to get the city. Former player I love. Um, I don't think the problem will ever be being a leader. I think the problem, if there is, if there is going to be a problem with Dan Campbell, it's going to be X's and O's. It's not going to be being a leader of men. He, he's got that. He's got that in the bag. I'm not worried about him being a leader or, or being a player's coach. I think people are going to love to play for him. I think he's going to be a damn good leader. Only issue that might arise is going to come down to actually the X's and O's of coaching. So we'll see, though. Never been a coach. We'll see. Um, Anthony Lynn, OC. Love it, actually. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great hire. And um, I'm very excited to see what he does, especially if we take a quarterback in the draft. We know his success with rookie QBs in the past, so I'm super interested to see what kind of what kind of magic he can work with whoever we take in the draft, possibly at seven. Who even knows? You can go back and listen to old episodes to see my opinion <laughs> on uh, on who we can who we're, who we're taking at seven. Then my favorite hire, my favorite hire outside of Hinch, it might be my favorite hire of any Detroit team in the last like five years Aaron Glenn for defensive coordinator makes me giddy I have to get up and 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 go on a walk to cool myself down take a cold shower after thinking about Aaron Glenn being the defensive coordinator of this team I have never been so high on a on a non-head coaching hire in my life. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, you can go back again to, to previous episodes and see me kind of break down the full, full of why I love him so much. I just think anybody you ask, all the reports say he's one of the, the he's a, again, players coach, players love playing for him. Uh, and and he is widely considered to be one of the best at developing secondary pieces in the entire NFL. When it comes to developing corners and safeties, he is considered to be the elite of the elite. 
And and Okuda aside, just having that in in your bag, just having that on your sideline is incredible. You add the fact that we took a corner with our third overall pick last year. How can you not be absolutely ecstatic with Aaron Glenn? Um, The biggest thing that they are advertising the hell out of, which I love, uh, is that the Lions coaching staff, uh, they made um, Antoine Randall L official today. Uh, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, but it was officially official today. This coaching staff has eight former players. Eight. Dan Campbell, Deuce Staley, Anthony Lynn, Aaron Glenn, Mark Brunel, Hank Fraley, Antoine Randall L, and Kelvin Shepard. All former players. Brunel and Glenn each went to three Pro Bowls. And five coaches have won Super Bowls in their playing careers. Five of those eight won Super Bowls in their playing careers. Amazing. I love it. There's a big-ass pitcher of blue Kool-Aid right here. And I'm chugging it. I'm chugging it. And no, I don't think we're going to be very good in 2021. I, I, I don't think we're going to be good at all. I think we're going to have a top pick. I think we probably should have a top pick. I think that's probably smart. That being said, this staff, I'm all in. I'm all in. I love pretty much every single hire. There's not a single hire I don't like at the moment. So as of today, as of February, you know, six months from football season, I love it, man. I love it. I love that we got it all stapled down this early so we can go into draft season. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the front office, too. Uh, that The front office wasn't included in that, that full coaching staff thing, but whole new front office, whole new coaching staff. We, for real, just gutted this entire team and built it back up from the ground. We got rid of nine. We got rid of the entire coaching staff, rehired all new people, stripped the entire front office on the player personnel side at least, rehired all new people, assistants and scouts and shit. Oh my gosh. I'm all in. I'm all in. I I am super happy with uh with the coaching staff. I think that I'll put it this way. I have not been this confident in a Detroit Lions coaching staff. Maybe not. Maybe confidence is the wrong word. They haven't even played a game yet. I have not been this optimistic about a Lions coaching staff maybe in my entire life. I don't think I was ever this optimistic with any Schwartz staff. Maybe 2014. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think this this might be truly the most optimistic I have ever felt about a coaching staff going into a season in Lions history in my lifetime. I think I think I think that might be true. I think that might be a true statement. I'm ecstatic. I cannot wait. Draft season coming up. We're gonna start talking a lot about mocks. We're going to start talking a lot, a lot, a lot about mock drafts, stuff like that. Um, now that we got a, a, a base following, we'll start having some some guests on the show, reaching out to some people. That'll be awesome. Um, can't wait, baby. Can't wait. We'll see you next week. Can't wait. All right. That'll do it for the Detroit Lions, which means that'll do it for our show Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Bentley Show. You can find us everywhere. Uh, my Twitter is at Bentley Scotty, which I'm sure most people listening to this probably already know. Um, if you don't follow 2021 World Series Champs on Instagram, that's the Tigers page I do videos and uh, live streams for. So you can directly ask me questions and we don't keep it strictly to baseball. We kind of just talk. I mean, the main focus is the Tigers because that's the, the, what the page is about. But people ask me questions about the other teams all the time. 
happy to always those are always a blast um podbean apple podcast google podcasts youtube yeah we're really out here doing the thing really out here doing the thing um also keep an eye all i'll say is this a little teaser for you keep an eye on the podcast called locked on red wings just keep an eye out just keep keep one eye open keep an eye out maybe follow him on twitter get some updates for him keep an eye out big things happening all right that'll do it for this episode thank you so much for listening the support for this continues to be unbelievable I still have people reaching out all the time. We're going to do a mailbag show relatively soon, which will be awesome. It'll be kind of the first show where um, you guys can ask questions and I can just go through um, for an hour and, and kind of talk about uh, answer your guys' questions with any of the teams, any team, any, any, anything. Just a mailbag show. I think that'd be super fun. So we got one of those coming up. Like I said, keep an eye on Locked On Red Wings as well. Um, and we will see you Friday. All right, peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I think that's all I got, baby. I think that's all I got. Go Detroit Sports, baby. Peace.